0: Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Backblaze Online Backup. It's a simple way to back up all your movies, photos, music, videos, and all of the data just for $5 a month. It's simple, and you can access all your data online from wherever you are. Try it absolutely free by going to backblaze.com cpc. That's b-a-c-k-b-l-a-z-e dot com slash c-p-c. If you need me to spell cpc, man, you're in trouble.
1: Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't
2: talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird.
3: Maybe you're into something different, uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups.
0: Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked.
3: Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, Maybe not, not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups.
2: The Nerdologues is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me.
3: And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh?
2: And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. (laughs)
0: Hey everybody, Merry Everything! I'm Eric Arnault, and this is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast. It is also Christmas today! So for the first time in our six-year release history, those dates have aligned. So what you're getting is the most time-honored of all late December traditions, the holiday special. As a matter of fact, back at the end of our first year, we did have a short show that we called our Your Stories Christmas special. It featured only one story and one song. This episode is that show, but blown out to feature length. So joining the original, Jonathan Lester, with his now-famous A Jew's Encounter with a Christmas Tree, a story so beloved it made it onto our Best of Five Years compilation last December, we have archive pieces from Mike Gifford, Charlie Madsen, Kyle Talley, and Tracy Hall, plus a couple songs from myself and Dwight Hassler. Some of these stories may be familiar to you. Uh, Tracy's was also included on the Best of Five Years compilation, for instance, while others you maybe haven't thought of since they first aired over five years ago, if you ever even heard them. So while you're enjoying the drive to or from family time or whatever it is you're up to today, I hope you can dig into these thoughtful, funny, seasonally inspired tales from some great storytellers. And we'll see you all next year.
4: What,
1: kind of, what time of year is it, guys? Christmas time! Christmas time? Oh, Christmas time! Gaga, yeah, Gaga, you been playing Pokemon? Sandy, gonna bring you a new Pokemon for Christmas? Yeah. Rita, you know the difference between Carl and Vinny? Yeah? Alright, alright. Some people get that joke, some don't. <laughs> you better watch out, you better not cry. Better not pout, I'm telling you why
0: Gentlemen, coming up first to the stage in this half, Mr. Mike Gifford. Mike
5: Gifford!
6: Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Oh my god. I'll adjust. I'm adjusting. I'm adjusting. Excuse me. Uh, God, so much movement. That's why I don't like sex either. You move so much. Anyway, I'm Mike Gifford. I'm a homosexual. It's the holiday season, so you see a lot of people you may not normally spend time with. And these folks will come up to you and say things like, so how are you doing? You may respond like me. I'm fine. But that's not enough. Oh no. They follow up with, really though, what have you been up to? Son of a bitch! You don't care. You don't care at all. If you did care, then you would have called me in between turkey. But you didn't, and that is fine. Why is that fine? It's fine because when you ask somebody, really, though, what have you been up to, you force them to re-examine their own lives. And that is a nightmare, especially for me. (laughs) But you asked for it, so I will tell you how I'm doing. I'm usually too tired to masturbate on the weekdays, so I wait for the weekend. (laughs) After I finish jerking off, I usually watch the 90s cartoon intro of Alvin and the Chipmunks. That's what I've been up to. (laughs) Since we last spoke, I had the pleasure of varying degrees of sexual contact with four men. One Puerto Rican, one black, one Filipino, and one white. My asshole can now sing the Michael Jackson classic song, We Are the World. (laughs) So that's what I've been up to. Sidebar. So, this past Monday, I found myself tempted to go to a strip club. It was a male strip club. I am a homosexual. Let's not get crazy. So, this was the second time I have ever been to a strip club. Now, you're probably asking yourselves, Mike Gifford, you're an AM boring old cunt. What the fuck are you doing going to a strip club on a Monday? Go to bed, Mike Gifford. Well... I went to that strip club because every now and again, like Moses looking upon the grand horizon of the promised land, I thought maybe, just maybe, this one time, I will find happiness. So I found myself at this strip club. And the moment that I entered into the Lucky Horseshoe, I realized it was a catastrophic mistake. As I said previously, I'm not into sexual contact whatsoever. There's too much movement. There's a lot of sweating. It's awkward. So anyway, I was approached by a stripper by the name of James. He was a Korean-American. James began to make a move on me. His hand started to approach my cock area. This made me very uncomfortable. I gave James a $20 bill to stop touching me. Now, James was distressed by this because that is not the normal parlance of a strip club. So, in order, because he was on the clock, so as he didn't look lazy, I agreed to let him touch my shoulder. That was fair. So anyway, after he was touching my shoulder, we talked about work. He's in real estate in the morning. or some such business. We talked about other things. It was very nice. I then asked him, I said, how old are you? He said, well, why don't you guess my age? How coy. I said, well, if I'm going to guess your age, why don't you guess my age first? He said, 38. Son of a bitch. What the fuck? And strip clubs are even dark so that everybody looks better. So basically what he's saying is, I look 38 years old in the dark. And the sad thing about that is, I bet half of you thought that he got it right on the mark. (laughs) James reacted to my uh, aversions of going crazy over that by saying, God, you remind me of my mother. so I look like a 38 year old Korean mother in the dark (laughs) this is my strip club experience and I have to think to myself when I look in the mirror this is what adulthood is this is what I have become this this is the rest of my life and one day I will be dead and that was it end of sidebar (laughs) two of the men I had relations with were straight prior to me so if you are a guy and make out with me and like it that makes you a faggot that's what I've been up to (laughs) so what's new with you happy Christmas thank you (laughs)
0: Uh, Charlie Madsen, come on up, sir. You how's your fantasy madden way going, Charlie? What's that? How's, how's Madden going? Um, it's actually going
2: well. The Texans beat the Lions in overtime. Oh, vice versa, sorry. I was really rooting for the Lions in that one. <laughs> I won't get into it, but they've had a tough season. Ah <laughs> oh, God, that's actually important to me. That's what's so sad. That <laughs> sounds like I'm being jokey. All right, so annual. Uh We are now in the zone that is known as the holidays. There are holidays throughout the entire year, but these are the holidays. Now, my favorite time of year just happens to be October 31st through December 31st, but the reasonings for me have always been fluid throughout life. The end of October uh, often brought with it the first snowfall of the year in Alaska, where I am from, and it's also the darkest time of the year when you have about six hours of daylight, slowly ticking down to about four hours around Christmas. Now when I was younger, I loved Halloween because it was vibrant and full of creativity and life and free candy. As a kid, I was obsessed with checking out books on the universal monsters like Dracula and Frankenstein. I could read for hours at a third grade level (laughs) about the plight of Lawrence Talbot and his gypsy curse. (laughs) To have a holiday that celebrates the fears was fascinating. But two decades later, you rarely see your best fears come to life on Halloween. Sure, you might see a guy dressed up as your unfulfilled dreams, or a girl with sexy Alzheimer's, but
0: it's just not really the same.
2: Now, I mean, candy is just constantly available to you, and you could buy it for yourself, and you don't really enjoy it as much because in candy hides the scary walrus monster known as Diabetes. (laughs) No, the true joy of Halloween now comes from drinking in costume. It's now the sexiest holiday of the year. Take that, Arbor Day! <laughs> it's also a solid excuse to only watch movies where beautiful people get burnt, stabbed, mauled, mutilated, and decapitated all in the name of a holiday. <laughs> Speaking of overindulgence, the next holiday, of course, is Thanksgiving. Now my family has been in the same small island uh, for about a hundred or so years more, and I have many cousins, brothers, sisters, in several generations, uh, most of whom I don't even know. We are so large that we had a very large and loud Thanksgiving filled with uh, the little sparkly apple stuff and all kinds of cooked beasts, like including smoked seal and walrus. Uh, There was never a shortage of food. Candles were always lit at the house, and my cool inventor cousins were always showing off their newest ideas, which includes actual working homemade (laughs) flamethrowers, a cannon that shot beer cans full of cement, (laughs) And their own broadswords that worked, yeah. Also, their bedroom had a fire pole and a pinball machine, so Thanksgiving was the tits. (laughs) But then I went to college, so I couldn't go home for Thanksgiving as much because it was $300 round trip to get back to my island. Uh, So I just thought the money was better suited to save for Christmas, and I found myself in the homes of others, having big meals with new families. This has become more prominent in Chicago, obviously, with home being thousands of miles and dollars away. But if you spend enough time in a place, you gain friendship momentum, and like Katamari Demasi, (laughs) you gather a new ball of friends. (laughs) So I'm happy to say that last Sunday we had our annual, third annual Thanksgiving, friendship Thanksgiving, with over three dozen 20-something transplants chowing down on their own homemade dishes. Christmas used to mean something more to us when we were kids, though. Uh, It wasn't just about jolly, judgmental wizard who lived in the Fortress of Solitude. It was also about toys. But the older we get, the more disappointment we feel for each other. Not only in the gifts we receive, but also the disappointment in the eyes of others. I mean, there are few gifts in this world that can truly make your mom cry and your dad be speechless, and whatever they are, you cannot afford it. <laughs> <laughs> you try and hold on to the magic, and, but uh, as the cynicism of corporate consumerism washes over you, and you get it in moments with the taste of eggnog and the snow falling in the darkness and look in your nephew's face when he gets the General Grievous double-blade rotating lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> you still value the quiet time with the family in front of the fireplace, though, watching Dennis Leary curse at Kevin Spacey in The Ref. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, this all used to mean so much more. So that's why now things have shifted, and my favorite holiday is actually New Year's Eve. An annual holiday, of course. Well, it was once... <laughs> Yeah. The night of fireworks, it's like Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah,
5: you have to do that when it
2: happens, right?
1: What
2: <laughs> right. uh, was once just a night of fireworks and adult parties this has now become the culmination of a year's journey. This is not one. Ho- this is the one holiday I insist on celebrating with friends, not girlfriends or family. I prefer to get wild and rowdy at a house party with my best friend from high school, Ron Jackson. We don't pull any of the remember when nonsense. We just put on suits and ties and then we eat and drink and dance and scream. And it's the happiest we could ever be. And we don't look forward. We don't look backward. It's one of the few times where we actually just can live in the moment. Now, Ron and I never talk when we're away and he's still home. We dislike talking on the phone and we have nothing to say via text. But we've always acknowledged the platonic, brotherly love that we feel for each other openly when we are in person. Especially that one trip to Australia, which I won't get into detail about. <laughs> <laughs> our friend... <it>, friendship. <laughs> our f- <laughs> friendship. Our friendship is strongest based on proximity. So we celebrate New Year's, this is our annual tradition, by taking our pants off at midnight.
3: <laughs> friendship. Friendship.
2: <laughs> friendship. There's no rhyme or reason to this. It's just what we do. And we make every guy in the room do it, too, no matter where we are, including the bar. we just drop trial at midnight and get our picture taken. Uh, The two New Year's Eves I missed when I was here, I texted him pictures of me pantless at Alaska Midnight, which is 3 a.m. here. So when it's 3 a.m. and you're texting a guy a picture of you without your pants on, it's because you love that guy. And as I say this out loud... I regret nothing. <laughs> Very secure people. Uh, <laughs> the annual celebration is, of something is the attempt to set a marker for ourselves in time and to see how far we've come and how far we have to go. And every year we have the same holidays, but rarely are we ever the same people. The old holiday memories become fleeting and out of reach, and the holidays that are to come become blurry and unattainable sometimes. But somehow New Year's Eve is always perfect. On the night that we celebrate the advancement of time, somehow time stands still with its pants around its ankles.
0: Uh, Speaking of eroticism, so this next fellow coming up, his last few stories have been a little bit steamy. He says he got something a little more serious tonight. I guess we'll see. Kyle Talley.
7: so uh yeah i like like eric said you know uh the last couple of stories i've done have been like more fan fiction stuff and you know i really just wanted to do something kind of more serious it's you know the holiday season so you know i wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that so as many of you know uh christmas is my favorite time of year uh Aside from being the perfect time to be a full-on uh, Yukon Cornelius look-alike, <laughs> it's, it's just like a really great time of year. Uh, Christmas is, is the time where we put aside all of our selfish uh, needs and wants and, and try to think about others, or at least that's what we're supposed to do. Um, it's, it's the time of year where we strive towards peace on earth and, and goodwill toward men. Uh, and, and for me, uh, nobody exemplifies that spirit better than Santa Claus. Uh, Santa Claus is there to show kids, uh, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from, no matter what race or income, uh, somebody loves them. Uh, and that's, that's important. That's really important. Um, and it, it's something I actually learned firsthand uh, about four Christmases ago. Uh, back home in Virginia, uh, I volunteer with uh, local YMCA and their Angel Tree program. Uh, that if you're not familiar with Angel tree it's it's you know people volunteer to buy uh, gifts and clothes for some of uh, the neediest kids in the city of Richmond. Um, they bring these kids into an elementary school and they give them a full meal, uh, dessert everything. and then the kids get to meet with Santa and it's a lot of fun for the kids and they really enjoy it and I, I, I had a great time. Um, so afterwards, uh, after once all the presents have been given out, I was actually approached by a little kid, a brother and a sister, uh, and they, they they had saved their dessert that was given uh, to them from the dinner, and they they gave it to me, and that that had always really meant a lot to me. Uh, it's it's really easy with all the hustle and bustle of the holiday season to forget uh, what Christmas is really about, and that's actually what I thought as I was finishing making my Christmas list while sitting at the Cafe Dumont in New Orleans. Well hey there, Cher.
5: Oh, a
7: familiar voice said
5: <laughs>
7: I immediately turned. Gambit, I gasp.
5: <laughs>
7: it's been so long.
5: <laughs>
7: it's only been a year, Cher.
5: <laughs>
7: he says as he caresses my cheek. I follow him to the bathroom, unbul- uh, unbul- unbuckling my belt, uh, eager for his touch. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I thought to myself, that's pretty hot. I can't believe this is the fourth time I'm reading slash fiction in front of the audience for here for your stories. What are you a nerd? <laughs> uh, n- nothing, Nate. Just just telling a Christmas story. I just got back from crushing
2: noobs at Magic, and I'm not in the mood for some lame Christmas story.
7: Um, We all know you're the best at Magic the Gathering, Nate. Not Andrew Bentley or Dan Hall could even stand up to you. That's right. I'm a winner, and winners take what they want. Nate said Nate said as he leaned in closely, do you mean it's finally gonna happen? I said eagerly. That's right. Nate says,
2: We're finally gonna do it on stage in front of all of these people.
7: Well, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. (laughs) Thank you,
0: Kyle. I don't think we can do a show in December and not have you, oh my god. Coming to the stage, Tracy Hall. Right there, hi Tracy. Tracy is, by the way, the Deputy Commissioner of the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events. Hi, everybody.
4: Hi. This notion of discovery, the first thing I thought about was discovery is, you know, what was a big discovery for me? And I'm reading discovery as epiphany. What was a big epiphany? And one of the things that I was thinking about, I'm going to take this off because it's going to clink. Um, one of the things that uh, was a big discovery for me was um, uh, really the real Kwanzaa. So I'm gonna tell you a little bit about it. I'm a writer, so I you know I'm gonna do what writers do. They read their work. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a little history, then I'm gonna talk about the epiphany, really quick. An activist academic during the post civil rights um, black power movement um, named Malena Karenga came up with the notion of an African-American holiday called Kwanzaa, meaning first fruits of the labor in 1966 as a way of creating a holiday rooted in the African tradition. Celebrated just after Christmas from December 26th to January 1st, by the time I became a young adult, this African-American holiday, Kwanzaa, had not only taken hold of African-American imagination, it had also taken hold of my African-American imaginary as a um, teen. It's based on seven principles. The first one, Umoja, which means unity. The second one, Kuji Chagulia, which means self-determination. I would later study Swahili, and the G is reflexive. So you can say, I cut myself. Niji kata. You know, it's like really important. You put that G in there, you did it to yourself, and I think that's hot. languages do, what other languages do. Also, to say et cetera in Swahili, it's Nakadalika, Nakadalika, Nakadalika. So, you know, it's a hot language anyway. <laughs> um, ujima, which means collective work and responsibility. Ujama, which means um, to build or cooperative economics. Nia, which means purpose. And then Kuumba, which means creative, creativity. And then finally, Imani, which is faith. All right, so now um, I was really into Kwanzaa. I got into Kwanzaa because it seemed like all the hip and cool people around me were in Kwanzaa. They were, like, into it. As soon as, like, Christmas would come, they'd be like, oh, good, that's over. Now we can celebrate Kwanzaa. So we were always doing stuff. Like, we were having, like, Kwanzaa celebrations in the post office. Did you know that some of the postal workers would actually have the keys to the post office and go in and just make this whole Kwanzaa festival while the post office was closed for the holidays? I would be like, you know what? I don't think that's right. But it's cool. It's really, really cool. So I'm going to tell you what happened for me with Kwanzaa. So by the time I got to college, all I could think about was um, all the things I was interested in. But I was very interested and fascinated with the idea of Africa, anywhere in Africa. Africa has over 50 countries. I was like, anywhere, anywhere. So I signed up for my junior year abroad. How many people did junior year abroad? Right. And for how many people did that define you? It defined me. So I, you know, so I had this opportunity to go to Kenya. And I'm going to study at the University of Nairobi. But most importantly, it doesn't matter that I'm going to study in this great school where some of the great writers are or have sent their kids, Wole Shoyinka, Chebe's Achebe's um, son, David, was there, um, and Gugi Wationgo's son, who is Wathu, w- um, w- whose um, name is like the opposite of his. It's like theongo Yongo which is very, very interesting. I was like, this is... Wonderful. I'm studying with and front and, um, with African, uh, intellectuals. But the most important thing is I'm in the, in the land of Kwanzaa. So I have this roommate, Anyango, and Anyango has all of the cool, she's, um, now like a sales rep or something in Toronto. I saw her just the other, you know, not too long ago. So anyway, but at the time, they're the cool kids. You know, they read, they're into art and all this other stuff, and she has this really best friend named Sionzi. Sionzi lives in this small village. A village is Kijiji in um, Swahili. So, The right around, you know, Christmas time, we're on break, and she says, Teresa, because no one could get my name Tracy. She says, Teresa, do you want to come home with me for harvest? What? Uh, Kwanzaa? Somebody's inviting me home for an authentic Kwanzaa. Oh yes, I want. I don't even ask questions. She tells me what time she and her uncle are going to come pick me up, and I just pack my suitcase. And I'm, you know, I'm from LA originally, and I like to bling. I like to bling real, real hard. Like this is like, you know, I'm just in drag, like work drag, but I really like to bling. I like to bling real, real hard, like Lil Wayne you know bling bling every time I come around your city bling bling that's me I like to bling real hard so I have I'm packing all the most impractical clothes because it's going to be like seven days so a week of Kwanzaa so I pack like this red dress it's all bling I, I pack all my all my shoes are bling oh it's just amazing so we get in this car her uncle takes us and he's supposed to take us just um, to the outskirts of town where we're going to take what I think is another taxi and soon we'll be home oh it's hours oh it's hours up and down I think we went to Uganda. I don't know. We just kept going. Finally, by the time we get there, you know, okay, it's cool. And there's like a group of seven people. We would walk three more miles before we go to her small village. And okay, but it's Kwanzaa. So the first night, day one, No Kwanzaa. Her grandmother, who's like this really old, wizened woman, asks, Sionzi, and they don't speak Swahili. They speak Kikuyu, because they're Kikuyu in a whole other village. She says, ask her what she wants to eat. So I said, I I don't know, you know, chicken, that's fine. And her grandmother says, tell her to catch the one she wants. (laughs) All right. By day two... Sionzi is getting me up really early in the morning. Is, you know, it's harvest. So I put on my red dress and I'm going to tell you really quickly what happened. I think her grandmother had looked at me and sized me up and said, Oh, Sionzi, you brought home a good one this time. (laughs) I was working up a storm. They actually had a corn and bean, like maize and bean farm we cle- we had to harvest and i found out that really when she meant harvest when she said harvest that's what she meant we were picking for three days her grandmother, because i 'm looking strong, her grandmother says, why don 't you have her go up to this hill and bring home the bring down the water because you know again there's no like so I had to learn how to walk with one of those big jerry cans, and you know one of the things I learned about my African sisters is the reason why they can roll those hips is because they have to because that 's how you balance that water." My clothes were destroyed. My shoes were destroyed. But I'm going to tell you about the last day. So we're getting ready to go back to university. I think I have lost weight by this time. My no bling. I mean, really, I had these shoes with some rhinestone toes. Man, if you had seen those shoes, my goodness. But by the end of it, okay, they were very, very sad. And I left them there, actually. So that tells you what happened. But in any case, I remember the last night we had to go back um, to school. We we're going to go back on that same journey. Her grandmother, who's kind of just um, keeping the the hearth, you know, she's not out there working, but she's directing everybody. Um, we're around the fire, all the fields. You know, We have been out there, and I really learned how important the agriculture is and stamina. But um, her grandmother starts to sing, and her grandmother has the most amazing voice. And I don't understand what she's saying, but you could tell that everybody else in the family was really getting enlivened by the grandmother singing. And it's a song, obviously, that meant something to them. And at some point, after she had been sitting there, she gets up and she started. To, she starts dancing. And she has just enough energy to do her dance. And then her son, who has also come home, he joins his mother and he's dancing. And the look in their faces, and we were all weary and tired and working from sun up to sundown. Somehow in that dance and in that fire and in the loss of my bling, I realized what Kwanzaa really was that it is about a harvest. A harvest of that flow of when you give and take, when you contribute um, to something that is bigger than you, that you might not just reap the benefits from directly, but that you really have been a contribution. And I knew that my bringing the water and my helping had really contributed to this family, and that um, the reason why Sionzi had asked me home for the harvest is because they needed the help. And so now, I really know what Kwanzaa is and that was my discovery.
3: So most of us in this room I assume uh, celebrated Christmas or celebrate Christmas now and have kind of grown up with an innate knowledge of Christmas traditions and have all their stories about growing up in a household with Christmas things and all the things that go along with that. Um, but my husband is actually not one of those. He is actually Jewish and has never had a Christmas before. Uh, and so Aww. this year um, we have a story uh, I like to call A Jew's Encounter with a Christmas Tree. <laughs> <laughs> he would tell this story himself, so I felt the need to share this with everyone because it was amazing. Um, So, uh, as was mentioned, I was in Spain, uh, for my job I travel a lot, so, uh, I was gone for the last month, (coughs) and, uh, one Sunday night I got an email from Kevin that said, uh, I would just want you to know, I love you so much. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet, I responded, I was like, what prompted this? I was like, I love you too. And he goes, my head hurts so much right now, I can't even describe it, you don't understand the frustrations I would go through for you. And I went, wow, that's fucking dire. (laughs) So I, it's like two a.m. I call him. I'm like, "What happened?" And he's like, "He's like, it's a surprise. I don't want to tell you, but he's terrible at surprises, so I know eventually I figure this out." Uh, so the next day, I go in the office and I um, I check my bank account like I do every day obsessively as a you know accountant. Um, and so I see this charge for about $200 at Target, and I'm like, mm-hmm, "Okay, what's that?" So I, I send him an email. I'm like, "Okay, so what's this charge for $200 at Target?" Because we share the credit card, and he goes, "That's your surprise." And I go, okay It's like, what is Target selling right now That he could have bought $200 of That would have frustrated him to hell And that would have shown his love for me And it took me about 10 minutes to figure out on Gchat I was like, you bought Christmas decorations, didn't you? And he goes, yes But I didn't realize the extent of it until I got home He just admitted that he bought Christmas decorations And he decorated our apartment I got home last night and he made me wait in the hallway for 10 minutes while I was really fucking jet-lagged. And so I was like, this better be good. Um, so he opens the door he because he, he turned on the lights and it was phenomenal. And the most impressive thing that was in there was a real live seven foot tall Christmas tree. Like not a fake one. Like there's no bullshit here. He went for the real one. He's dropping pine needles and everything. So oh, so I, I ask him, I'm, I say, how did you put up the Christmas tree by yourself? And he's like, well, first of all, um, I tried getting some help from someone else. Um, but the only way I could think to do so was to put an ad on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the post has been, now been deleted, so I cannot read it to you. but. But he had he showed me he had shown me before what he had said um, on the Craigslist post, and so I'll paraphrase for you. And this was in the looking for hire section. It was not in misconnections or mail for Merrill or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just so we're clear, what the service provided would be. Um, so the ad paraphrasing said that help Jew trying to put up Christmas tree. <laughs> I don't understand where it's supposed to go where. I will pay you in beer or cash or pizza. Please just come to my apartment and help me put up this tree. (laughs) And so, as those of you that have put up Christmas trees in the past know, the Christmas tree itself is an optical illusion. It requires at least three people, one person to hold the tree at a 90-degree angle, one person to screw it into the base, and one person to stand six feet away and say... No, that's an 88-degree angle. (laughs) Because somehow, in that six feet, there's an optical illusion where what is straight here is definitely not straight over here. And that is an hour-long argument in my household that involves a lot of the word fuck. So, I walk in, and this tree, I didn't get a protractor out, but is straight up and down. And he did it by himself, screwing it into the base of the tree and it is phenomenal and not only that he had gingerbread cookies set out and a gingerbread house and had put up lights around our windows and put up stockings in our apartment so i have to say that christmas traditions as we have them in our family are born in many ways and it's always great to start a new one and i can't be happier that my jewish husband figured out our own and started our great new traditions in our household so Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays. That's my piece. Thank you. So I think you left out the best part of the ad, which was that it ended with two pictures. One was, help me go from this, and it was the Charlie Brown <laughs> Christmas <movie Aww. laughs> to this, and it was a picture of the Barbara Streisand Christmas <laughs> It's a new Christmas tradition that he has to put the tree up by himself. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of an awesome tradition. we all of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kevin, you're a you're a good dude, man. That's <laughs> cool. Um, all right, we're gonna play one more song. Um, seems appropriate for the season and all that. Yeah. You ready? <laughs> production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome!
5: Thank y'all. Thank y'all.
1: I am GrabBot
5: 23548X.